0: For Judaism, it is the link between generations, between the old and the young, between grandparents and grandchildren, that is so spiritually sublime, embodying the covenantal connection and transmission that lies at the heart of the Jewish faith. And that, Rabbi Akiva is hinting, is why Jews would outlast the Romans. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 194, Zechariah, Akiva, and us. I'm Mayor Solovatric. Rarely does a simple animal sighting inspire intense interest around the Jewish world. But this was the case when a video went viral depicting foxes roaming in the vicinity of the Western Wall in 2019. Thus the Jerusalem Post reported, quote, As the Jewish world is counting the days to the ninth of Av to Shabav, the date on which Jews mourn the destruction of the two temples in Jerusalem following its destruction by the Romans, foxes have been spotted walking near the Western Wall a press release reported on Thursday. It is written in the book of Lamentations 5.18, which is read on Tisha B'Av, that Mount Zion, where the temple stood, will be so desolate that foxes will walk upon it. The understanding, according to the Talmud in the tractate Makot, is that if the prophecies of destruction have been fulfilled, so will be the ones by the prophet Zechariah about the temple being rebuilt, end quote. So the Jerusalem Post writes, Now, of course, we have seen in our journey through the prophets how Scripture is filled with God's guarantees of the rebuilding of Jerusalem. If a simple fox sighting can inspire such fascination, it is because a fox in Jerusalem lies at the heart of one of the most famous Talmudic tales, one which features one of the most famous of rabbis, a rabbi who cited Zechariah and issued a prediction to his colleagues that has been fulfilled in our time. In chapter 8, Zechariah gives us a vision of Jerusalem's glorious future. Verse 3. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, There shall yet be old men and old women sitting in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand for every age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord of hosts? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, in truth and in righteousness. It is this prophetic passage that lies at the heart of a Talmudic tale that has become one of the most beloved. The rabbis recount Harabe Akiva and his colleagues found themselves in the vicinity of Rome. Hearing the hustle and bustle emerging from the forum, most of the rabbis wept, pondering the lack of vibrancy that at that point could be found in a destroyed Jerusalem. But Rabbi Akiva assured his friends that the ruination visited upon their holy city would one day be found more profoundly in the center of the Roman Empire itself. Jews, in other words, Rabbi Akiva was saying, would outlast the empire. The Talmud then goes on to describe the very same rabbis strolling along the ruins of Jerusalem and finding a fox exploring the desolate Temple Mount in the sight of the Holy of Holies. As his comrades cried, seeing this as bitter evidence of the destruction that an animal snuffled and dug where the Ark of the Covenant had once proudly rested, Rabbi Akiva laughed and presented to his colleagues a complex exegetical argument that two prophecies are linked. There is first a biblical prediction of the destruction that as a result of sin, Zion would be destroyed and plowed under, made into a ruin. And then Rabbi Akiva continued, There is another prophecy, Zechariah's proclamation. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, There shall yet be old men and old women sitting in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand, for every age. Rabbi Akiva concluded that now that the prophecy of Jerusalem being plowed had been fulfilled, he was all the more certain that Zechariah's guarantee of grandparents sitting once again in the sacred city was destined to be fulfilled. The Talmudic story concludes with the rabbis exclaiming, Akiva nichamtano, Akiva nicham Akiva, you have consoled us. Thus a story inspired by a fox, a story remembered with reverence and interpreted by Jews to this day. Rabbi Joseph Salavechik once illuminated Rabbi Akiva's comments in a manner that has always meant a great deal to me. In Yiddish, Rabbi Salavechik said something like this, why, Rabbi Soloveitchik asked, did this fox choose, of all possible places, the holy of holies on the Temple Mount in which to meander? zu zu wanderen? Did the fox, Rabbi Soloveitchik said, not have any other places in which to go meandering, in which to wander? Rather, Rabbi Soloveitchik said, Rabbi Akiva concluded that the fox was drawn to that precise site because the shual had gevest instinctive as dimokem is helig that even the fox felt viscerally that that site, the Temple Mount, was holy. In other words, in that sad moment, the special nature of the sacred city was revealed. Rabbi Soloveitchik's point seems to be, and his brother, my grandfather, Rabbi Aaron Soloveitchik, interpreted the tale in a similar manner, that Rabbi Akiva saw the experience as a metaphor for the story of Jerusalem and the Jewish people, so that the awful assault on the sacred city could be seen as the very vindication of Jewish chosenness. Understood this way, the Talmud is expressing something that we have quoted from Yossi Klein Halevi about how, once in a while living in Jerusalem, he realizes the singular nature of the location where he lives. Quote, I recall too my father's wonder at the wall, whose fragile and improbable endurance he saw as a metaphor for the Jewish people. Like him, Halevi writes, I ask myself what it is about this strange little people that continually finds itself at the center of international attention repeatedly on the front lines against totalitarian forces of evil, Nazism, Soviet Communism, now Jihadism, all of which marked the Jews as their primary obstacle to achieving world domination. At those moments, he writes, I feel gratitude for having found my place in this story. End quote. But we can go further. There is much in Zechariah that describes the rebuilding and redemption of Jerusalem. And of all the Prophet's verses, Rabbi Akiva sought to assure his colleagues of his confidence in Jerusalem's restoration by referencing... This one passage, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, There shall yet old men and old women sit in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand for every age, and the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Many translations, like the King James, render the verse, There shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, but I prefer the more literal, There shall yet old men and old women sit in the streets of Jerusalem. It is this prophecy that Rabbi Akiva cites, when he could have chosen, So many from this very biblical book. Consider, in the chapter before this one, Zechariah guarantees that all Jewish fast days for Jerusalem, including the ninth of Av, will ultimately be turned into days of celebration and rejoicing. In the chapter after ours, the prophet describes the arrival of the Messiah into Jerusalem, ensuring that the city is no longer threatened by any of its enemies. But Rabbi Akiva does not cite these prophecies. Rather, it is this passage about the joining of the elderly and the young, or if you will, grandparents and grandchildren, together in Jerusalem, that Rabbi Akiva references. And this, I think, is part of the point. For Judaism, it is the link between generations, between the old and the young, between grandparents and grandchildren, that is so spiritually sublime, embodying the covenantal connection and transmission that lies at the heart of the Jewish faith. And that, Rabbi Akiva is hinting, is why Jews would outlast the Romans. Thus, Rabbi Soloveitchik elsewhere reflected why the chosen nation was ultimately named Israel after the patriarch Jacob, rather than Isaac or Abraham. The answer, he said, is because Jacob, Israel, is the one patriarch who was seen in Scripture interacting not only with his children, but also with his grandchildren, with Joseph's progeny, Ephraim and Manasseh. Rabbi Soloveitchik said, quote, Abraham and Isaac transmitted their spiritual heritage to their sons, not to their grandsons. The latter received it from their fathers. But there was no communication between Abraham and Jacob, or between Isaac and Reuben and Simeon. The influence of the grandfathers on their grandchildren was indirect. Jacob, however, related directly to his grandchildren. He did not need an intermediary or an interpreter. His was a direct dialogue. He leapt over the gulf of generations. End quote. And Rabbi Soloveitchik adds, quote, "How appropriate, therefore, that our people is called Israel or Jacob, for it was he who created the Jewish community, which ensures." Jewish continuity, end quote. Rabbi Akiva, then, is perhaps also telling us that the link between Jewish generations is what ensures our eternity, so that Jewish grandparents and grandchildren will one day return to a Jerusalem filled with Jews. Today, with the Roman Forum in ruins and with Jerusalem's streets containing both the elderly and the young, Rabbi Akiva has been vindicated, and we must ponder a possible connections between the rabbi's own origins and his ability to inspire others. The Talmud further tells us that Rabbi Akiva was once an unlearned ignoramus who came upon a stone that had become eroded, hollowed out, by a steady stream of water upon it. From this, Rabbi Akiva concluded that like water on stone, the Torah can make its way into his mind and heart, and therefore, fortified by this experience and by the love of his wife Rachel, he set out to study. Rabbi Yaakov Maidan therefore suggests that this formative experience also later inspired Rabbi Akiva's confidence and faith. Quote, it was not only for himself that Rabbi Akiva drew hope, but for his entire nation. Just as the stone was strong and hard, so the Roman Empire was strong and hard towards the nations that were crushed under its dominion. But the nation of Israel was as weak and soft as water, and just as water flows from a high place to a low place, Israel fell from the elevated glorious heights of the Hasmonean kingdom to the abyss of subjugation and the destruction of the temple. Nevertheless, Rabbi Akiva maintained his faith in their power. End quote. In other words, Rabbi Maidan is suggesting that Rabbi Akiva applied the optimism of his own experience to the future of the Jewish people. Water to water, stone to stone. And here is what I find fascinating. We are all familiar with the Arch of Titus, perhaps the world's most famous symbol of Jewish defeat. Several years ago, the papers reported that the remains of another Arch of Titus celebrating the destruction of Jerusalem had been uncovered In Rome, it was found, not near the Forum, but rather at the Circus Maximus, what was once the most public place in the empire. This arch had been lost for centuries, and suddenly, thanks to archaeologists, Haaretz could report that, quote, second monumental arch of Titus celebrating victory over Jews found in Rome, end quote. Why was it lost? What had happened to that arch that had once been seen by multitudes of Romans? The article informs us that, quote, Yet time has not been kind to this symbol of Roman supremacy. Thanks to the ninth century chronicle, we know the arch must have been in fairly good shape in the early Middle Ages. It may have been damaged by an earthquake in 847. And then the article adds quote, By the 12th century, the Circus Maximus, which once housed 150,000 spectators, had become farmland, and a new aqueduct to water the fields and supply the city was channeled through the arch, further increasing the damage. End quote. Thus, the moment that may have inspired Reikiva's own turnaround, the water that overcame stone, the moment that may well have helped him to predict Rome's defeat, that event has over the years been literally fulfilled in Rome. Water has worn away stone. Water has worn away the arch of Titus. The Roman Empire is gone. In the old city today, there exists a spatial juxtaposition that I think goes largely unnoticed, and a link to an online photo of it has been sent to you all. There is a small, nondescript playground in the Jewish quarter in Jerusalem, and it sits next to a first temple structure known as the Broad Wall, part of the defenses of Jerusalem created by King Hezekiah prior to the Assyrian attack. It was on Jerusalem's wall, as we saw in the Book of Kings, that an Assyrian named Rav Shakeh stood and told Jerusalem to surrender, describing the many nations that had been destroyed by Assyrian might today, like the glory of Rome, the Assyrian Empire is in ruins, but children play next to that wall in Jerusalem's old city, no doubt often with their grandparents watching them nearby. These young Jews, as they go down a slide or laugh from a swing, have no idea that merely by playing in the streets of Jerusalem they are fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. But all those who see them, who have read the Bible and the Talmud, cannot help but feel how miraculous it is that the Jewish people still lives, and how, in a real sense, Rabbi Akiva lives as well. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.